0: Have you ever been fooled? Have you ever been fooled by uh, an optical illusion? Something you think you saw, something that, that, that was kind of there, uh, that, but, but maybe it wasn't. You, know, maybe, maybe, you remember the, uh, like the old cartoons? Uh, you'd have like, some guy walking through the desert and he thinks he sees an oasis in the, on the horizon and he walks up and he begins to, to lap the water into his mouth and then the mirage goes away and you just find him throwing sand in his face. I mean, this is an optical. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe like me, you enjoy watching uh, magicians and illusionists do amazing tricks right before your eyes. All of a sudden, you, you, there's something that you think is there, and you, you think you understand it, and then it's gone. It's gone. All of a sudden, what you thought was real isn't there, and, 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 and we don't mind feeling a little bit like a fool when we're, when we're sitting there watching like a, a top-notch illusionist, a, a magician, uh, do their tricks on us but we don't like it so much when, when the things that were tricked on truly matter, when they're for real, when it's the real thing. Because there, there's some magic tricks, there's some card tricks that, that even children can do, right? They, they, maybe they fan out the cards and they go, hey, I can, let them, I can pick your card. And they, they do a little thing. And all of a sudden they, you know, through uh, the power of math or just slide of hand, all of a sudden like, whoop, there's your card. You know, Jaden would get on YouTube and, he'd look up card tricks and go, dad, 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 I got one for you. And you know, all of a sudden he'd get him. I got, didn't, I was like, how do you, how do you rearrange that? And he's like, well, yeah, you know, most magicians don't reveal their tricks, but when you're uh, paying for his room and board and uh, you can say, how'd you, how'd you do that? And, uh, and he's like, well, you, you just do this little thing with your pinky like this. Whoop, and then you just slide the card in there. And then it's, Oh, it's not that one. It's this one. Right. And you go. Oh. And so, But magicians, most magicians don't reveal their tricks. You have to kind of watch and and see the tricks that they do and and see how they make it work. Some tricks can be done as a solo act. Others have to be done with a partner or partners. And some take years to, to perfect because of the precise movements that are necessary. There are illusions and deceptions that can fool us and we can be, are fine. But sometimes when it's for real, when it can really hurt, we want to know the truth. We, 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 we get it sometimes when we when we watch the news, when we read the paper, when we see things around us, we get we kind of wonder, is, is that for real or is that deception? Is that true or is that false? We sometimes we just get the narrative that someone wants to share with us. So sometimes we wonder if what we're getting in the public spheres is. It's true. Some are truer than others. Some just seem to be, uh, some so may be partially made up. Some seem to be all completely fabricated. And depending on, pers- on your perspective, depending on who you're hearing it from, you may believe one side more than the other. And reality is the truth often lies somewhere in between. So when it comes to things of consequence, when it comes to things that, that really, really matter, we we don't want to be fooled. We want to know what the truth is. So you don't mind being fooled every now and then if it's just for good fun and games. Sometimes you don't even mind feeling a little bit gullible. Did you know the word gullible is not in the dictionary? You can go ahead and take out your phone and look that up too if you want check it out. But sometimes we have a very different outlook on things. See, the more that's at stake, the more we want to know that it's true. See, in our day and age, truth can be, seems to be under attack from the erosion of objective truth to to the rise of what's true for me is true for me. And what's true for you is true for you. But who knows what truth is anymore? Sometimes I feel like our world is asking the same question Pilate asked of Jesus. What is truth? And truth is, we can handle the truth, right? We know what we can handle what the truth is. If we know what is true, then we can begin to adjust our life by it. But the standard of what's true seems to keep changing with every day. The reality is that this really hasn't been, a, this really isn't a new problem. It's been going on from the very beginning, right? This question of what is true. It has been going on from the very early pages of scripture. You look at Genesis chapter three. Satan, in the form of a snake, comes to Eve, and he goes, "God didn't say you would certainly die. Just take, just take the fruit, because He knows if you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like Him. And you'll know good from evil." You know, that's not what God said. And if you look through that conversation that Eve has with the serpent, the truth that God gave them and they entered into the garden It's twisted. It's shaped. It's molded. It's not completely false. It's also no longer completely true. There's been misinformation, even from the garden. And throughout the old Testament, we see people doing their own thing instead of walking in the ways of the Lord. Yeah. They, 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 you see there's this ebb and flow in the relationship of Israel, right? You know, for a while, they would follow him with a whole heart, but once their leader died, all of a sudden you read things like in the Book of Judges, where everyone did as they saw, fit. And they would go and do their own thing. You see, some kings, they would follow hard after God in the nation, would go with them, and they'd rise up and they would prosper. But then, a couple of generations down the line, you'd see some king completely abandon the ways of God. What is true? What should we do? Should we follow in the steps? of scripture, or should we go and do our own thing? So you see people, you see even in the old old Testament stories that they, you you, you read this story, you read a different story. There's like a different truth that they're living by. And they followed their truth to their own destruction. So here we sit today, here we sit today. Who who, who here uh, could, could use more peace in their life? We, lo- we, 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 we look at our world when we hear all the noise that's kind of around us. Sometimes, what do we believe? Which way should we go? What, what things do we see as true? All of a sudden, we can begin to feel as if there is a lack of peace in our life. We feel that push and pull of culture. We feel them trying to shape and to mold us into their image, into their way of thinking. So how can we combat the deceptions of Satan? How can we do so in a way that helps connect people to Jesus? Because that's our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal isn't to win arguments. Our ultimate goal isn't to win debates, but to help people overcome their sin and to choose Jesus as their savior. See, if we truly want people to know peace, well, then they need to know Jesus. And the first battle we must fight is the battle for our minds. And the, that, fight takes, that fight takes us straight to the battle. For truth. And so, if you would, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Paul is writing to his friends in the church of Colossae, a, a church that he uh, did not, uh, uh, he, by the time he had written this letter, he had not visited them. Maybe he got a chance to visit them later on, but he had heard of their faith. He had heard of their lifestyle. They had heard, he had heard how, how they were following Jesus. And he also heard that there was a battle for the truth going on in their midst. They're in a similar battle to the one we face. See, the people there in, are some people in in, in Colossae who didn't believe Jesus was divine. They didn't believe that he had divinity. And so they uh, began to say, well, you know, Jesus wasn't fully human. He, you know, he, he, there's this this belief called Gnosticism that they they kind of thought that God, that, that Jesus kind of came as, he looked like a person, but he was maybe just more spirit. You know, that he didn't interact with the earth. He wasn't, he didn't fully physically die. Like, you know, a a human would, you know, there was even a belief that that, that came out in centuries that followed that those who followed this uh, belief that Jesus, it looked like he walked on the earth, but really he just kind of hoverboarded over the top of it. You know, kind of like how he walked on top of the water. He just kind of walked on top of the earth, but not really. He didn't really get dirty like we did so they just had this thought that Jesus, that there was thought that Jesus wasn't, he, he was all spirit, but no, not, not human. Or he was all human and not, not, not divine. And so they, they would go back and forth and they had these two tensions. And because sometimes hard for our minds to wrap that Jesus had one body, but two natures. One body, but two natures. And Paul writes to the church in Colossians, these words. So then, just as you've received Christ as Lord, Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. and In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self was ruled by the flesh, uh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through your faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, Paul is Offering an alternative to help us disarm our to disarm the deceptive lies that we face. And what we see from the beginning is that Paul is speaking to a group of believers, those who have put, have put their hope and faith and trust in Jesus. He says, Remember, you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Continue to live in him. I, I love that, phrase, that that line to live, because for us it just means, oh, live, breathe, you know, go through life. But the word that the, that that in Greek that's translated to live is the word to walk, to walk back in day before there was their automobiles, before there was bikes, before there was any form of mass transportation, people walked to wherever they got wanted to go. I mean, if they were uh, maybe a little bit more well off, they may have had a, a horse or a donkey or a camel or something, but, but everywhere you went, you had to, to walk. And so to live was to walk. And so if you walk, as you go through your life, as you continue doing what you do, walk as if you, as you would walk with Jesus, it becomes a perfect metaphor for living one's life. And Jesus then says, as you walk through your life, do two things, do two things. There's two metaphors, two pictures he draws from, from two different realms of life. One he says, this, he says, just as you receive Christ, Jesus, Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. He says, have your lives rooted in him. Rooted in him. That comes from agriculture, right? You know, every week, come in, uh, especially as it gets into spring and summer, I'm asking Mr. Howard, how's the garden? He's like, I'm about ready to get planted. Ready to put the seeds in. You know, a little bit later on, he's like, "Hey, they're starting to come up." A little bit later on, he's like, "Hey, you know, they're gonna have cucumbers and onions and tomatoes just coming out their ears, and and is like catching up on, on all the on all the harvesting." But we, he was, he was have your lives rooted in Jesus. See if we. You know, it, 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 maybe you, you plant a garden. I, I, I've got I've to get our, our, our raised beds ready to go so that way we can have some tomatoes and stuff later this summer as well. And, but what if I, instead of placing, putting, filling those raised beds with, with good soil, what if I put just rock in there? You, you, you think the plants are going to grow? No, no, because rock doesn't help plants to grow. Yeah, but if you put good soil, maybe you, know, you, you put some fertilizer, you put some, some compost in there, you, you put some, all of a sudden that, that, that soil is, is good and beneficial. It's, it's, it's broken up so the seed can find a, a, a good home. And as it begins to grow, it takes those nutrients from the soil and translates it into fruit for us to eat. Do the same thing with you. We need to have our lives rooted in Jesus. Jesus would say, in. Uh, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, you, you can tell a tree by its fruit. And so if we have ourselves in good soil, rooted deep into him, we will produce good fruit in keeping with repentance, showing ourselves to be God's disciples. He also uses a, a picture of, of a foundation. A foundation. So we need to have a foundation. we need to be built up in him. And even as, as Jesus taught, he, 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 he taught in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he comes right out of that picture of, of a good tree producing good fruit, and he finishes up his sermon by talking about the wise and foolish builders, right? The wise man built his house on the rock, right? He builds his house on a firm foundation. So a storm comes, the winds blow, the waters rise, but the house stood firm because it had a firm foundation. But there's another guy. He was a foolish builder. He built his house on the sand. Yeah. He built a, he, he wanted beachfront property. He wanted a waterfront view. He wanted it all. And so he builds his house on the sand. And when those same storm comes, the waters rise, the storm blows, the wind blows, the, the rains come down. And as those water rise, the house on the sand went. And the great was the crash thereof. It's amazing as we, if when we build our lives on a firm foundation, when we find ourselves rooted and established in him, that when the storms of life blow, yeah, we may experience doubt. We may experience some difficult times, but as, as we blow, as things you know, may go crazy around us, we find ourselves with greater peace because we're holding on to Jesus. Because we're holding on to him. Why does Paul care so much about our foundation? Why does he care so much that he gives us not one, but two pictures of this for us? He cares because it is so easy for us to be led astray. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And you might think, Mike, what does this have to do with us? Because hollow and deceptive philosophy some of these things. It sounds like folk religion and things that maybe uh, people believed long ago, but we are, we are more esteemed and distinguished people. We are, we are more progressive. We have a, we, we, we understand that some of those things were just false. But if you begin to look through some of the things that we, that maybe we believe or people around us believe today, it kind of fits into the same idea of hollow and deceptive philosophy. It feels like human tradition, elemental Spiritual forces. They wouldn't necessarily call it that. They, would, they might just call it, uh, you know, you know it's, it's, it's my truth. He knows how we can. So be easily swayed by these things. And so Paul says, hey, don't be deceived. Don't let your hearts t- be taken captive. So you may not call by these names today. But if you think through what maybe people in your family, maybe friends of yours believe, you begin to see that they're grabbing from this tradition. Of this religious idea, and they begin to create their own kind of spiritual buffet of beliefs rather than firmly on Christ. Maybe you have some traditions around your house. Uh, we, 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 there, there are certain traditions that, 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 that uh, live on through time. And there are certain traditions that kind of die away, right? Who here remembers uh, the old console TVs, where t- the TV was like a big, large piece of furniture, Yeah. It sat on the ground. So it was there and you, like, wherever you, you, when you moved in, wherever you put the TV, that's where it sat. You never moved it because you would then have to go to the chiropractor for a week. You need like a whole host. It's almost like, who wants to move someone's TV? It's like asking who wants to move the piano? No one wants to be the piano. No one wants to move the piano. Yeah, that's going to put me in the hospital. And so when you got a TV, it just sat there. There There's a door. It came in. Boom. It was as far as we could carry it. So, Back in the day, we'd be sitting there in the living room. We'd be watching one of our favorite teams play ball. And if things were not going well, there was a tradition in our house that we would all get up and switch seats. And it's a, it's a, you, just, you, you, you could sit anywhere you wanted. You just couldn't sit in the same seat you sat in. And so we'd switch seats. And maybe we come down to the end of a game. It's an important game. Things are close. Things are tight. You would find my dad and my three, two brothers and I, we would be laying on the floor in front of the television. This is a, because our physical position was going to affect the outcome of the game. We believe this wholeheartedly. So, I, 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 uh, uh, so, so there, 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 there were times even like well, we were early married before we you know we got different TVs that were like lift up off the ground. Um, you know, b- big game, I'd be there in our apartment, and where would I be? I'd be laying on the ground in front of the TV. And Dad would call or mom, and, or mom would call, me, hey, are you are you on the ground in front of the TV? Where do you think I am? <laughs> of course I am, because where I am, let, my position is going to affect whether this free throw goes in or not, whether this field goal goes through the uprights. And escape would laugh. She'd be sitting back there on the couch going, it's much more comfortable back here, sweetheart. You could be sitting back here with me. I know, but if we're going to lose the game if I sit with you, I got to be right here. It's a human tradition, right? It's a human tradition. Maybe you have some funny traditions like that in your house too, but there's, when it comes to a matter of a ball game, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter, but when it comes to our salvation, when it comes to life and death, it matters a bit more. See, today's version of elemental spiritual forces are revealed in the buffet version of spirituality that our culture embraces. As long as you, as long as you don't claim any one tradition, as as you don't claim, claim your tradition is exclusive, you're okay. But not only that, the broader and more varied your spiritual influences, the more inclusive you are, the more acceptable your position is. But the problem is, the more you pull from this position or that position, this faith or that faith, this tradition or that tradition, the more that you bring in that's not true, the more it weakens your foundation. And the only foundation that is strong enough to be built upon to last is that of Jesus. See, there was, there was this debate in Colossae about who Jesus was, whether he was divine, whether he, his death on the cross was, was enough to pay for our sins. And they would combine all these teachings with whatever traditions, with whatever pagan religions, whatever was part of their culture, and they would put it all together. And we, our, our culture goes, we think of ourselves as progressive. As we progressed to be more educated. But the more things change, the more things stay the same. It's a process called syncretism. When you begin to take a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you put it all together and you claim this is more true than the original. The people in Colossae, some of them liked their spiritual stew instead of, of having a pure, true faith founded in Jesus. They would mix and match different religious thoughts, beliefs and systems into their own. And the problem is that kind of thinking does not lead to salvation. Paul's, uh, here's Paul's response. He says, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness and he is the head over every power and authority. So, so Paul is like, okay, you, you can claim that there's all these other things, but the one who's over all of them is Jesus. And so if we follow Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, I am the way. Yeah. You can find some of God's truths in just of all, a little bit in, in all of the religions of the world. But what they've done is they've taken God's truth and manufactured into their own line of thinking. But you can say, Well, I'm, I'm just following this. No, you don't need to follow that. You just need to follow Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the one. All the fullness of deity lives bodily in Jesus. And he's the one who brings us to fullness, not these other ideas, not these other ways of thought, not these other thinkings. Only through Jesus. And people say, Well, because you don't have to, people in our day and age, they want they, to they bring Jesus plus something else, right? Jesus plus a little bit of Buddha, maybe a little bit of the Quran. maybe a little bit of this other stuff. We are brought to fullness only and singly through our relationship with Jesus. He has no equal. In fact, there's no one even close that comes in, that is even in the same league. And surely there are other players in the religious and spiritual realm. We, you, you can see it as, as, as there are other tribal religions. You can see how it, it can tear apart different places. And Paul's already called those human traditions. He's already called them elemental spiritual forces. He's already, he's already put them in their place. He's discredited them as options because they pale in comparison to the absolute beauty and fullness of Jesus. When, when, when bankers and tellers and those in the, uh, like the treasury department, when they uh, are, are seeking out counterfeits, they don't study all the different counterfeits. Ooh, this is a good counterfeit, but it, they, they study the original. And they study and know the original so well, that then when they look at a fake, they can pick out why, why it's a fake. They don't study all the counterfeits because you can be counterfeit in any number of different ways. You cannot have this watermark. You cannot have this color, right? You know, you have George Washington looking the other direction and you can put Abraham Lincoln on the one and someone else on the, you just, but they study the original so well. They so have internalized what they see that when they look at another bill, they can tell. They can tell if it's the, uh, the, re, the real thing or counterfeit. And so when we are brought, when, when, when uh, other thoughts, other philosophies, other traditions are brought to us, have we studied Jesus so well that we can discern truth from the lie that we can discern what is misguided from what is real. Have we been so filled with the fullness of Christ that when lies come our way, we can easily dispel them or we swayed by every thought and teaching for in Christ, all the fullness of God dwells and he is the one who brings us to fullness. He is the head of every power and authority. And Paul reminds them, he reminds us today that we've been identified with Jesus through baptism. Having, we were buried with him in baptism. We, we died to ourselves just as Jesus died for us. He died. We, we died to ourselves and we were raised to faith We put to death, the old self. We are buried and raised with him just as he died for our sins and was raised for our justification. We too die to our old way of life and are raised to walk in a new, new life with him. And the interesting thing about that, that God sought to make peace with us while we were his enemies. The, the, the one who had all authority and all power who could just come in and just force our hand. He was the one who made conditions for peace. We, the, us who could have easily been uh, cast aside and destroyed the, the, the offense, the, the weaker one who comes and says, what do we have to do? How, how do we need to uh, settle this so that we are not destroyed? We continue to live in our own pride and arrogance. It was, Jesus, it was God who made the terms for peace. That when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive in Christ. He forgave us our sins. He canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. Our sin put us in debt with God. And he wrote it off. He could have condemned us. He could have, he could have ta- he, 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 but he took away. He took away the punishment by nailing Jesus to the cross and disarmed the powers and the authorities and made a public spectacle of them by triumphing over the cross. Not just in Jesus' death, the triumph comes with the empty tomb. The power of death could not hold him down. He forgave our sins and satisfied his wrath by nailing Jesus to the cross and him dying. He turned about, looked like a defeat into an overwhelming victory for those of us who believe. So what does this matter? It matters because we are daily, we are daily bombarded with all kinds of image, uh, images and thoughts and philosophies. Our kids are being bombarded with messages that are so loud and persistent that they begin to erode their confidence in scripture. That scripture some will say that, that scripture leads to a way of life that, that oppresses women, that, that, that oppresses minorities, that marginalizes those on the fringe of society. And all this proves is that they have not truly read scripture. Because wherever Jesus went, you find him elevating women. You find him elevating minorities. You find him elevating those on the fringes of society. He protects those who are the most fragile. He cares for the least and the lost, calling those from the fringes to walk in his way. See, our our culture has has such a skewed view of Scripture that they can't see everything everything that they truly desire can be found in walking with Jesus. See, the emptiness of our age, the rise of suicides, the rise of drug addiction, the rise of pursuits of alternative lifestyles. Denying the natural order in which God created the world is an example of our world trying still being dead in their sins. The emptiness they feel is the effect of sin, not the inability, not not their inability to live their truth. John Mark Comer in his book, live no lives says this. He said, Satan pushes deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society So Satan pushes deceptive ideas. And that's where it starts. It starts in our mind. It starts with just the slow erosion of truth in our culture, in our time, in our space. And as he begins to deceive us through our mind, what we think is is true. If we just shout this lie loud enough, people will believe it to be true. As it begins to erode our belief in our foundation of truth, begins to play on our hearts. And we'll get to that next week. And then it leads to destructive patterns that are normalized in our world. So we need to hold on to truth. We need to win the battle for our minds. See, Jesus, he believed Satan was a real enemy, not just some fictitious uh, 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 adversary from like Star Wars or Harry Potter, that Satan was real. And he's advancing a mission and ideology in our world. And you see, Satan doesn't have to get us to abandon Jesus. He doesn't have to get us to turn our back on him. What he most needs, what he most wants to do is just to accept a little bit of false spiritual philosophy. Just a little bit of falsehood, just to believe something that's not quite as true. And as we begin to, as that begins to make its way into our thinking, it begins to eliminate the power of the gospel in our lives. Is That first Easter, when Jesus rose from the dead, that was D-Day to Satan. His fate was sealed. And while D-Day was the turning point in World War II, there was still fighting that had to go on. And Satan's not just going to roll over. He's not just going, Oh, it's over. He longs to keep others from finding faith, from finding victory in Jesus. Satan wants to spread death, spiritual death. And the primary way he he does that is by spreading lies. And one of the lies he spreads is how we find our happiness. I just want to live my truth I I I want to live out who I want to be. Ignatius of Loyola said this: Our unwillingness to trust that God, that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness, was His definition of sin. That God God wants us to be happy, but our happiness is not found in us pursuing what we want, but in pursuing more of Him. And as we pursue the truth in Jesus, we will find ourselves happier in the meantime. In our present age, science has become the new God. And I'm not anti-science, but most modern science is an, interpret- an interpretation of data points. Some, some of those data points can be interpreted however people, want. They can, so, so two people can look at the same thing and be, see different things. And some of those data points, take much more faith to believe than the gospel. See, Satan has us, has our world believing that science is greater than God. Our world wants us to believe that things that we see are greater than God because as a culture, we don't want to accept accountability to God for our actions. Because if we do so, we'd have to admit that we're wrong. Anyone here like to admit they're wrong? Yeah, neither do I. If we admit that we're wrong, then we also have to admit that sin has consequences. And no one wants the consequences of sin. So the way we defeat deception, the way we defeat deceptive ideas is through devotion to deity. The way we defeat deception is by being being devoted to God. It's by, 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 by pursuing him wholeheartedly. So my challenge for you this week, if you don't do this already, to just read the Bible at least four times a day. Not four times a day, four times this week. Pick four days, four days this week. Make sure at least four days this week, you read some form of scripture. Be a little bit, it can be a huge bit, whatever works for you. But studies have shown that those who read scripture four four more days a week, find themselves less angry find themselves less addicted. They find that their faith is more alive. All those aspects of your life that you're going, I wish I had more of that. People who make a, a, a habit of reading scripture four or more times a week, those things grow in their life. Jesus came to take away the consequence of our sin. He also came to help us find our way back to God. And we do that best. That becomes easier in our life. The more we spend time with him. So this week, as we are reading scriptures, maybe you want to say, I'm just going to read through Colossians. That's where we're at this week. Maybe you want to pick a gospel. and Just read through the life of Jesus. Start somewhere, start small, begin to make it a daily habit, a daily process. Something you do regularly, a daily routine. And as you do so, you will find more and more of the life of Christ experienced in your life. See, Jesus came to die for our sins, to be raised for our justification. So maybe today you need to accept that truth in your life. And if, that, if that's a decision you need to make today, I want to meet you in the back. I'm going to have it be, maybe have a, that conversation with you as we begin to, to unpack the deception that is in our world so you can begin to walk. <clears throat> And the truth that God has for you. Maybe you've received Jesus. Maybe Jesus is your savior. But you feel that you are being deceived by our culture. Being deceived by our day. You you, you feel maybe uh, Satan is trying to to water down your faith by the lies that maybe you feel you're believing. We'd love to help you sort truth from deception in one of our small groups. We have one that meets on Sunday morning at at nine. We have another one that meets on Sunday evenings at six, both here in the building. And we'd love to be just in community together as we open up scripture and, and learn and walk with him that we can begin to live out our faith on a more consistent basis. Maybe you need to talk to someone about another step that you need to take in your faith journey. I'll be in the back. Mark will be in the back. David will be around as well. We'd love to be able to sit and talk with you and, and help you grow and take that next step in your journey with Jesus. If you're at home and not here with us, maybe you're here and, and, and you, you're like, I'm not quite ready for a conversation, but I need someone to know, you can let us know by filling out the connection card at slash connect and by marking the appropriate box. See, while Satan pushes deceptive ideas that play to our disordered desires, we see normalized in a sinful society, Jesus calls us into truth, a truth that will ultimately lead to our happiness. And so we are all, if we want to defeat deception in our lives this week, the only way we will accomplish that is by a, a greater devotion to deity, greater devotion to Jesus as we wholeheartedly, fully pursue him. May that be our goal this week. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness in our life. We thank you for the truth that you share with us, the the truth that you give us. And Father, I pray that this week, we will uh, live wholeheartedly for you, fully giving ourselves to you. Father, would you meet us in small and quiet ways? Father, would you meet us as we uh, walk each day? Would you help us to continue to find ourselves rooted and established in you? Father, shunning the deception of, of, of Satan. And finding more of you in our life. Father, we thank you that you walk through us, walk with us through the storms of life. Father, I pray that this week we will bear fruit that will show ourselves to be your disciples. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, we hope you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again next Sunday.